Welcome to the Every Nation Rosebank Church Podcast. At our church, we honor God, make disciples, and transform nations. For more information about our church, visit everynationrosebank.org and don't forget to subscribe. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. And uh, we're excited about the series that, um, that we are on, this Kingdom Come series. That, uh, and if you missed last week, my strong encouragement to you is to catch the podcast. Uh, you really want to track with this series. And Pastor Dorian gave such a, uh, a, a biblically-based and practical um, overview of what the kingdom is and how we can live that out uh, in, in our lives. So if, if you're asking yourself those questions of, of what, what is the kingdom? What does it look like today? How do we live it out? What are the vehicles that God has, has chosen to carry out his mandate uh, on earth today? Then please make sure that you catch that podcast. It will be a real blessing to you. We're carrying on today, uh, and um, I have the privilege of, of, uh, of taking us forward, and, and I want to speak to us about this kingdom that is both now and not yet. A kingdom that is both now and not yet. And what this means is that we uh, get to be part of a kingdom that one day is going to come in brilliant glory. We, we've read the scriptures, we, we, we've uh, heard the teachings, we've discussed amongst ourselves how we think it's going to happen, and so we know that there'll be a great uh, trumpet and the cry of an angel, and the, 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 the heavens will be torn asunder, and Jesus is going to come riding in, and the host of the angels, and it's going to be amazing, because what he's ushering in and the kingdom that he brings with him is, is different to what we have now. It is not broken. He's, he's coming and it's going to be restorative and it's going to be uh, he- healing and it's going to be whole and, and, and he promises that he's going to wipe away every tear so no pain and no, uh, no tragedy, no loss. We're all looking forward to this day. Amen. But we also know that we are, we are part of a, a, a kingdom that is alive and well today. So today we are part of that kingdom. Today we are citizens uh, in the kingdom of God, which is active and alive and progressing. So how is it that we are in this tension of being citizens of a kingdom that is both now and still to come? So I want to take a little bit more of a systematic or, 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 or mechanical view of, of what the kingdom is, how it has progressed, uh, throughout redemptive history so that we can come to understand how does this all come together and how is this kingdom now and not yet. So it's going to be a little bit of a journey that we're going to take through history. So strap yourselves in and get ready for an amazing ride. But before we launch, uh, what I want to do is for us to just all make sure that we are on the same page. So a couple of things that I want to highlight about this kingdom. We are part of a kingdom that is prevailing. It is progressive. It continues. And we learned last week that um, even in the Old Testament, it is prophesied that this kingdom will one day fill the whole earth. And this is the kingdom that we get to be part of. And there's certain, there's certain identifiers, milestones, if you will, that we can look at that help us to track along and to know that regardless of what the news tell us, I don't know about you, sometimes I, I get to watch the news and after a while I have to turn the news off because I feel a little bit icky in my soul. 
uh, because I've taken in so much bad news and I start to believe that maybe the kingdom of darkness really is prevailing against the kingdom of light. But there are certain things that we can look at and we can remind ourselves, no, the agenda of God is still right on track. He's not taken aback. He's not intimidated. He's not surprised. He is on the march and his agenda is well and truly on track. And so we look at the three, the three resurrections. Uh, the, the first resurrection is the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and the Bible calls that the first fruits. That's the first fruits uh, resurrection. Then we have the first resurrection uh, that we're going to look at, and that's the re- uh, resurrection uh, of the saints when Jesus comes back the second time. We know, uh, or at least we will know after we've uh, looked at, at, um, at this journey, that when Jesus comes back, there is a resurrection of the saints um, who, who, uh, are, are, who enter into this disp- dispensation with Jesus where he rules over the earth. And then we have the second resurrection, which is where now everybody um, is resurrected uh, and soon to follow after that is the final judgment. Another way that we can track is the three defeats of Satan. Uh, Satan is defeated, and the Bible will show us that the, the first defeat of Satan uh, in Hebrews 2, uh, sorry, the, the, the first defeat of Satan at the cross, and we're going to look at Hebrews uh, chapter 2 to, uh, to unpack that a little bit more. And then the second defeat of Satan, the Bible teaches us that at the coming of Jesus, Satan is going to be bound and thrown into the abyss and prevented from messing or influencing the hearts of man. And in the third and the final defeat of Satan at the final judgment, where he's thrown into the eternal lake of fire. Satan is living defeated. Amen. Now, uh, a couple of other things that I want us to be uh, aware of that will help us. And that is, Every so often when you're reading the Bible, you come across certain terms, and, and, and the, one of the terms that I'm going to be referring to, so it's good for us to familiarize ourselves with, is this term, this age and the age to come. Uh, and so you might be reading something within context, and it starts to talk about this age or something that will happen in the age to come. And, and uh, de- depending on what you're reading, it may even say this world or the world to come. But if you do the, the word study, it basically comes down to this understanding of a season or a period. So one could even say this period and then the period to come. The, the, the age... Um, this age and the age to come is differentiated uh, by who is in rulership over this age, and we'll unpack some of that also, but just keep that um, in, in your back pockets. So, now, as, as we think about the whole of redemptive history, and, and really what I'm referring to when I say that is, is everything from creation right up until the end. Um, we, 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 we look at that from a a big view to kind of understand, okay, let's, let's see what we can learn about the kingdom, how the kingdom has emerged, and where, where we're at. But we, we need to be careful not to em, uh, employ a one-sided view of what the kingdom is. And I want to give you this example uh, where we are understanding that there was a creation. We understand that. There, there was a fall. We understand that. There was a cross. Praise God. Hallelujah. We understand that. And there'll be an end, and we're looking forward to that. And so um, the, if we take on this, this view, which is not a, a wrong view, um, it's just a one-sided view, but if we take on this view, then we kind of fall into the, the potential danger of living a gospel of future hope. And, and a gospel of future hope 
kind of says, Matt, you know, we, we were in a real mess, right? We, 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 ha- we had this beautiful place. We messed it up. We were in a real mess. Jesus came, and, um, and he redeemed us, and he saved us at the cross. And, and, and our understanding of that is almost like at that point, he gave us a check that we can cash when he comes back. And so we, we're walking around with this, with this check in our pockets, making sure not to lose this check because when Jesus comes back, I get to cash the check. I get to experience the bounty and the beauty and the blessing of, of, of the kingdom of God. A, a different way that we sometimes look at it is uh, as an insurance policy. Man, I, I, I'm saved. I've surrendered my life to Jesus. And so therefore, I have this insurance policy that I can... I can activate when the need arises. So you'll have certain policies maybe in place, and you know that you're thinking around that. Is should something happen, if, my, if something goes wrong with my car, whew, at least I have insurance. If we employ a one-sided view of what the kingdom is, we tend to fall into that space of thinking that one of these days we're going to get to cash in. One of these days we're going to get to pull out our insurance policy and we'll be safe. Again, this is not, it's not wrong, but there's just more. There's more. And, um, and, and what we, we have come to realize is that whilst we have all of this bounty and blessing it is true to look forward to at the coming of Jesus, as children of God now, as kingdom citizens now, we have access to that blessing and that bounty and that power and that glory and that victory and that breakthrough. Everything that, the, that, that is promised to us at the coming of the Christ, we have access to these things. So how is it then that we have access to what has not yet come? So let's double click on some of these things and maybe just take a look at the journey um, in, um, in, in, in stages and see what emerges. So if we look at the journey from creation to the cross. We learned, again, we, this is part of something that we, we, we learned last week. God uh, created man, and, and, and he put us in this garden, and the idea was to, that we would uh, carry the DNA and the heart of God, uh, the mandate of God, into all the earth, right? And uh, the, then we had the fall, and in that, in that fall, there is a, a transfer, if you will, of of authority. And now we have what the Bible calls the, that, that, that Satan becomes the prince of this world. I know it's scary to think about that, but I'm just laying out the fact at this point, and I want to tell you there's some good news. There's some good news to come. So hang in there. In this age, in this age that we live, and we're still in this age, and we're looking forward to an age that is to come. But in this age, the prince of this age is Satan. Legally so. And so that authority is usurped. But from the beginning, God is already declaring prophetically that there is a redemption to come. And so we, we, we spoke about the fact that when Adam and Eve saw their nakedness, that they covered their nakedness with fig leaves. And God would come along and would remove those fig leaves and replace them with animal skins because their attempts to cover themselves were not sufficient. 
And God was saying that he would provide for himself a worthy covering. And of course, we know now that that worthy covering was Jesus Christ, and that covering for us would come at the place of the cross. And so there was a, a, an announcement right at the start for the plan of our redemption. And then God goes about the work throughout human history of, of rolling out this plan of redemption. And he uses, he puts together a nation, and this nation is called Israel, and his agenda is to use the, this community of people and to grow them into a nation and to use them to be a blessing to all the world. The, the salvation would reach the whole of the world. And so when we follow the development of this nation, we see that, man, they, they are in constant turmoil, almost. They, they are in, in differing states of, of independence, uh, being a sovereign state, uh, being scattered into exile, being colonized, uh, falling under various empires. But this entire time that this nation is forming, and, and regardless of whether they're in the space of, of independence or whether they're falling under a different empire, there is this dream that is forming, and, and, and the prophets are giving, uh, are fanning this dream into flame. And the dream is that there is going to come a Messiah. There is going to come a hero. And at this, play, at this uh, time, Pastor Greg, you can come up and do, and then a hero comes along. No? Okay, we should have practiced, I'm sorry. Okay, okay. There is going to come a Messiah. And what this Messiah is going to do is that he's going to give us our independence, he's going to set us up as a sovereign state, he's going to knock out our enemies, he's going to give us peace on every side, he's going to set up this ideal kind of society where the economy works amazingly, there's peace between neighbors, where the, there's the, the, the ground gives us bounty, it's going to be amazing, this kingdom that we have to look forward to. And so it kind of speaks to why when Jesus comes along, they don't recognize him. Or they don't accept that he is who he says he is. Because he's not doing what they expected him to do. He's not overthrowing their enemies. But Jesus wasn't coming to wage warfare against their enemies. Jesus was coming to wage warfare against his enemies. And, and so the promise that, that is given to them, that this, this idea of a kingdom, God wasn't deceiving them. That's true. And we see now, because we have the, the benefit of hindsight and perspective, we know that these prophecies are speaking about the glorious kingdom to come. But Jesus wasn't coming to usher in the kingdom of glory. He was coming in humility to usher in a kingdom of humility. It was a, a, a kingdom that was still giving people options. Do you want to be part of this kingdom or do you not want to? Do you believe what I'm saying or do you not believe what I'm saying? The choice is yours. It's, it's a, a kingdom of, of influence and, and, um, and appeal. But there will come a time when that kingdom will not be a kingdom of appeal. It will be a forceful presence. And so we see in Isaiah chapter 2, verse 1 to 4, it says, the, the word that Isaiah, the son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. 
Now shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established on the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills and all nations shall flow to it. Many people should come and say, come and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of God, of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways and we shall walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between the nations and rebuke many people. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. This is what they had in mind, and this was the understanding of the kingdom that was to come. And so we see that Jesus comes in, Jesus is born, and Luke 16 tells us that, uh, that the law and the prophets were until John. That's what it says. So everything that we've discussed up until this point, that's the law and the prophets, up until John. After John, the kingdom of God is preached, and everyone is pressing in. That's what the Bible tells us. And so, and so John comes in and he, he says of himself that he's, he's, he's that voice in the wilderness that's shouting and making a way for the Messiah who is here. And Jesus comes in and his message is repent because the kingdom of God is here. And so we see that with, with the birth, the work, and the death of Jesus Christ, there is an ushering in of a different dispensation. In, in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14, uh, we, we read that in as much then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil. And so what's that, what that is teaching us is that the work of Jesus on the cross was to defeat the devil. And that Jesus defeated the devil at the cross. Amen. But now we may look at that. And if you're anything like me, you're asking yourself the question, if the devil was defeated at the cross, why have we had such a, a long history of suffering? And why do we live in a world that is still corrupted and full of sin? Well, that is because the devil is still active in our world today. And, and, and I was trying to understand this, and I was looking at that word destroy, and if you're making notes or you're reading in your Bible, you want to just underline or circle that word destroy. That, that, that word destroy, when we take it to the Greek, is the word katargeo. And, and when it comes back into the English, this was where the problem is, that when we brought it into the English, we used the word destroy. Now, the word destroy, the connotation there is to completely annihilate. There's no coming back once you've been destroyed. But that word, that word katergeo, carries more of uh, the connotation of being taken out of commission, to be, to be inoperative or to be made inoperative. And, and so I was toiling it in my head, trying to understand what this all could mean when I came across this story in the book of Matthew where Jesus was doing what Jesus normally does. He was preaching the kingdom and he was, he was using his words to, to tell people how to enter into the kingdom and how to be productive citizens in the kingdom. He was uh, pr proving the existence of the kingdom with the power of the kingdom. And so what would happen when Jesus ministered is that demons would flee and that people would be healed in miraculous ways. Things that people couldn't explain started to happen. 
And then people, the rulers of the day, looked at the situation and their processing said, this is not real, this is of the devil. Jesus looks at them and he says, not so, because a kingdom divided on itself cannot stand. That's called civil war. But if I am casting out these demons by the power of God, then the kingdom of God has arrived and is upon you. That's what he says. He goes on to explain it this way. He says, if I want to go into the house of a strong man and plunder his goods, I cannot do that until I first dealt with the strong man. So what do I do? I bind the strong man and then I can plunder his goods and I can carry the goods away as much as I desire. And then I began to understand that what Jesus had done on the cross was that he had bound the strong man. And that's why demons fled at the presence of Jesus. It wasn't because Jesus was obsessed with demons. He was about the kingdom. He preached the message of the kingdom, but the work and the message of the kingdom bound the strong man. So those who had been bound and kept under bondage in the house of the strong man could now be carried out. They were free to go. So people were being released from demonic oppression because the one who had kept them oppressed was bound. And the good news for us today is that that strong man is still bound. Jesus defeated the devil on the cross by binding him so that we could be productive in the work of the kingdom. Don't fall back when it is time to preach the gospel. Don't fall back when it is time to pray for healing. Don't fall back when it is time to believe for breakthrough. Don't fall back when it is time to raise a testimony. Why? Because the strong man is bound. The invitation for the kingdom citizens is to go into the house of the strong man and carry away the plunder. It's beautiful. And so the work of the cross, amongst other things, was to bind the strong man. Of course, know that Jesus dies for us on the cross and that he then resurrects. And the Bible calls this resurrection the first fruits. 1 Corinthians 15, 20 says, But now the Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. He's become the first fruits. This word first fruits is important. It's important. If I go into my garden and I pick a fruit, and I, or I recognize that the, that the fruit is now in bloom, and I go and I pick the fruit, and I taste this fruit, and I think, this is a ripe fruit. This, this fruit is ready. What I have in my hand is the first fruit. Now, if I take that fruit to Pastor Greg, and I say, Pastor Greg, taste this fruit, and he tastes that fruit, and he says, this is good fruit. And I say to him, yes, this is the first fruits of my harvest. What he knows immediately is that, well, that tells me that your harvest is ready because I have sampled the first fruits. And so what we can know by recognizing that Jesus is the first fruit of our resurrection is that we don't have to wait until the end for the resurrection. The resurrection is here with us today. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. And so we are living in the resurrection. Jesus So the rest of that scripture says, For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. 
For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive, but each one in his own order. Christ the firstfruits, afterwards those who are Christ's at his coming. Those who are Christ's at his coming. And, and this coming of Christ signals the end of what we have been calling this age. Remember, we've been talking about this age and the age to come. The coming of the Christ signifies the end of this age. And when we have the end of this age, we have the beginning of the age to come, and that is the beginning of the reign of the king of that age. Remember that the ruler of this age is Satan, even though he is bound. And the ruler of this age is our Lord Jesus Christ. And so the characteristics of Jesus are the characteristics of this age. But we see that within that, 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 that change from this, this age to the age to come, there is a, a transition period where these two, two ages overlap and what the Bible is calling the millennial period or the thousand-year rule. And, and so what is happening there is that Jesus comes back and the, 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 the signal of the beginning of this, this, this millennial rule is the coming back of the Christ, it's the resurrection of the saints, and the second defeat of Satan, which is that he is now bound and thrown into the abyss. And the idea here is that he, he is sealed and prevented from being able to influence the hearts of man. Jesus rules over the world during this period, and that, that Corinthian scripture continues here. It says, then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father, when he puts an end to all rule and all authority and power, for he must reign till he has put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that will be destroyed is death. And so in this period, Jesus rules, and we, we are told that he will rule until he has put all enemies under his feet, and the last enemy is death that uh, Romans tells us that the, the wages of death is sin. And so the source of death is sin. And so for, for death to be defeated, sin is defeated. Jesus teaches us that the originator of sin is Satan. And for, so for sin to be dealt with, Satan is dealt with. And we know that, that um, he will be dealt with indeed. The marker for the end of this period is that Satan is released from this abyss and there is another resurrection, the last resurrection, which, which uh, we're calling the second resurrection and that's where everybody is uh, resurrected and soon to follow is the final judgment, what, the, what Revelation calls the great white throne judgment. So, We've kind of taken a, a speed run through redemptive history, so I want us to just take a kind of a bird's eye view now and just to appreciate what kingdom it is, what manner of kingdom it is that we are part of and what that means for us. And so we recognize that there was a period, that, 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 that the creation period, and, we were, and it was good and everything worked and there was a fall and, uh, and, and everything kind of fell apart from there and we're living in the sinful state, which we're still living in today. 
and, uh, and, and that the ruler of that age or the ruler of this age is Satan. Uh, but we also recognize that something special happened when Jesus was born through his birth, the work of Jesus, and the death of Jesus, that it ushered in something special, which was the kingdom of God. And we'll look at that just now. And, and that he, he's then, he then ascends, and we live in this space, which is this, the church, this church age or the last days. These are the days that we're living in now. It's the last days, and we're looking for the glorious return of the Christ. And upon his return, that we're seeing that there, will, there, there is then this binding of the Satan, there is the resurrection of the saints, and the beginning of this new age. And when the final judgment has been proclaimed, when the final judgment, and by the way, before I go, let me just say this, for us Christians, for you, if you are in relationship with Jesus Christ, you have no need to fear the final judgment. The final judgment is not a threat against you. You have already been judged and found righteous. You, you, you are already good with God. And, 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 so, and so don't think of it as, as, as I know I used to, like, yo, that, I mean, uh, Jesus, you, you can come, but man, that day, you know? Um, <laughs> but there's this, fight, there's this judgment, and, uh, and, and death is dealt with, Satan is dealt with, uh, sin is dealt with, and, uh, and it's thrown into the lake of fire, and there's this glorious kingdom that is ushered in, with, which, which is the you know, full kingdom of God, full throttle. Nothing held back. We're in, the, in his glorious presence, beholding him face to face. We're, we're fellowshipping with one another. We have, we have eternity. Uh, we have spiritual bodies. We, we, we are together with Christ. The Holy Spirit is there. There is no need for day and night because, because the Lord himself is our glory and our light. And, 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 this, and the Bible describes this amazing beauty of intimacy and fellowship and fulfillment, glory and power and breakthrough that we have to look forward to. And, and, and we, we spoke about how there'll be no more tears and, and our tears will be wiped away. There'll be no more pain. There'll be no more loss. There'll be no more suffering or shame. There'll be no more disease and the things that we struggle with today and no more hierarchy and economies that suppress. Not, none of that is going to be this beautiful society that is centered around God. And yet, when we go back to that moment of the birth, the work, and the death of Jesus, we recognize that because Jesus, because Jesus, who is God, left eternity and came and entered into time, what came with him was the kingdom of God. And so because he entered into time and he brought with him the kingdom of God, the realities that are over here that we're living for and trusting God for and looking forward to followed him and entered into time with him. That is why we can be citizens of a kingdom that we're looking forward to and that is in existence today because those realities came with him and have been with us from that day up until today. We have access to that power. We have access to that glory. We have access to that breakthrough. We have access to that intimacy and fellowship because Jesus came and broke through time. It was like uh, almost... Is it, is it that kind of church? <laughs> because 
of the fact, because of the reality that Jesus broke through and he brings the kingdom with him, we have access to this kingdom. Now, Hebrews speaks about, in Hebrews 6, it speaks about those who have tasted of the kingdom. We, we are those who have tasted of the kingdom. And, you know, a, a, a taste, a, a taste is not, it, it's not, it's not a six-course buffet, right? It's a taste. But a taste is real. And it's not a theoretical thing. And so we've tasted of this kingdom. And what blows our minds about it is that we, we've tasted what morsel we have, and, and it has blown our minds. And God is not afraid, right, to extend the invitation. He says to us, come and taste and see that this is good. And we taste, and we're going, mmm, this is good. And if it's that good, and we have this limited portion of it, what do we have to look forward to when the kingdom comes in fullness? And so the taste that we have doesn't fill us with a sense of, but it, oh, but there's a limited taste. It should fill us with a sense of hope because the limited taste is amazing. The, the limited expression of intimacy that we have with God is mind-blowing. The fact that we, we, we keep pressing into him and he keeps revealing more of himself to us, the power that he makes available to us, the breakthroughs that he brings about, the evidences of the kingdom of God, all of these things that are in operation should blow our minds when we think of the fact that it's a mere morsel and that there is a fullness that is to come. And in 1 John chapter 3, verse 1 says, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God. Therefore the world does not know us because it did not know Him. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. And what that tells us is that when we live in a hopeful expectation of the return of the Christ, that hope purifies us. That hope causes us to look upon the right things. When we live as though Jesus is coming, we, 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 we are purified in our thinking and in our, in our doing because we need to be those as those who are ready for the return. We, it purifies us in hope and it elevates our hope because it also speaks to the fact that regardless of what we're going through today, there is a better society, that is a better reality, that is a better perspective, that is a better experience and a better intimacy that we have to look forward to. It elevates our hope and our hope purifies us. And so my, my, my encouragement and my charge to you is let us live as those who are in expectation of the return of the king. That just makes us better stewards. And it opens our eyes to the fact that, yes, while we are waiting for the return of the king, the fruits and the bounty, the blessing, the kingdom, and everything that he is bringing with him is available to us today. Amen. Amen. Let's stand to our feet and pray. Father, we thank you because you have chosen 
to express just the limitlessness of who you are to us through your kingdom. That you have called us into this kingdom and it blows our mind that we can experience you in the way that we experience you today. And yet to know that there is something even better. That what we have today would count as a mere shadow. Allow this hope to fill our hearts, to fill our souls, that regardless of what we're facing, and in this room, Lord, we're all in different places, and we're all carrying different burdens and challenges, and we're all facing different things, but regardless of those things, that there is a hope that would be elevated in us to know that you are coming, and that when you come, you're ushering in a kingdom of beauty. And let this hope, like your word teaches, purify us in our thinking, in our doing, and in the, in the activities, in the things that we will be found doing when, upon your return. That we may enter into your pleasure and that each of us would have the privilege of hearing those eternal words that each of our souls so hunger to hear. Well done, my good, my faithful servant. Thank you, Lord, that this is our portion. In Jesus' name, thank you, Father.